The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, I wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host, and it's Wednesday. That means it is a Brady Quinn football show! I had to switch my earphones, so I actually couldn't hear the air horns there. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I made a you piano. Missed piano. You missed out. I was on uh, Nick Costas' radio show on... Uh, Why? Yeah, his producer asked me to do it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm I kidding. Know, I know. You know, um, I give Nick a hard time. Oh yeah, it's fun. But, uh, I was on there and he, um, I, I actually like was talking about how the Chiefs scored really fast in the AFC championship game. I was like, you know, they just scored. It's like, pew, pew, pew. And, uh, and he's like, well, that was pretty good air horns. And then I tried to explain that this is the, that we made that noise for the Brady Quinn football show and he cut me off. Yeah. And said, I don't care about your podcast yeah. or Brady Quinn. Well, which is probably true knowing him. Um, but no one cares about Nick. Uh, and that's why he has to wear robes and slippers and stuff just to get someone to watch them. Hey, um, the funny thing is the genesis of the air horns, right? Like that actually came about purely because of a visit to the University of Miami's practice where I was like so in awe of, of how they, they would announce someone's speed, you know, the miles per hour they were running, whether it was a positive play or not. Like that was, that was how they handled practice. I, I was, it was interesting. Yeah. Now it's a thing. Um, Hey, uh, you know what I, you know what I heard? Uh, we're supposed to, um, I was running late to start this podcast because of a parenting issue. Um, but so we can't do, we can't do too many tangents, but I did have somebody, um, well, two things. One, you had a, uh, some sort of magazine article written about you. Very cool. Or some sort of online article written about you where you talked about, uh, leverage. Uh, no, what was it? Uh, venture capitalism. Oh, philanthropy. Right. Sure. But somebody also hit me up and said that they heard your name floated as a possible, uh, senatorial <laughs> candidate in Ohio. Is that any, any truth to that rumor that you'd like to address now I, I, on I the can, Brady Quinn football show? I can neither confirm nor deny anything that, uh, would be, uh, anything politically related. So I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> would you, I, I think you'd be a great senator. You should run. I don't, I wouldn't want to lose you as like a, uh, I mean, like, I don't think that really benefits me in any way because I'd lose you as a pod. I assume, you know, if you were a sitting senator, you wouldn't do a 
a sports podcast once a week, but uh, in a hypothetical situation, uh, yeah, it usually sports and politics don't mix. So uh, let's just say in a hypothetical scenario, I was ever going to venture into that realm. It would, it would mean the end of, of my sports broadcasting career and it would probably start kind of a, a new venture in life. So, uh, that's, that, that would be one of the things, unfortunately, I'd have to sacrifice, even though I do have a ton of respect, uh, regardless of what affiliation and all that, you know, people who serve our country and decide to become lawmakers. I know they get like a bad rep a lot of times, sure. but the reality is, uh, it's kind of a, it's a thankless job for a lot of people, but they're trying to, you know, they're, they're trying to work for the best interest of everyone involved. So. Oh, okay. Well, I sort of brought this up as a kind of a joking thing at first, and apparently this is not that, not that joking. Well, you know, but you'd be great at, you, you'll be great at whatever you do, Brady. Whatever, whatever path you walk down in life, I'm sure you'll be great at. Thank you. That, that's like advice from my older brother. How much older are you than I? Uh, like, uh, three years, four years, five years. Okay. Yeah, five, five years. Five years, but it's like you and I, for example, are a lot closer being five years apart in age than like me to someone who's five years younger only because they experienced college with a cell phone and with social media, or I I should say, you know, Facebook, those sorts of things. Like you probably didn't hit any of them. No, 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 we're three years apart. Even three years. Yeah. Even three years. So even, and so I would say three years younger than me too. Like the Facebook had just come out when I had started getting in college, you know, you had a cell phone, but, like text, I remember I kept trying to text message people and they, they'd always say they never received it. And it did like, they didn't really understand the concept. Now it's like something everyone does. And I'm like, now I like leaving voice notes. Like now, now I'm like back to like the old school. I don't, I want to leave you a voice note because A, it disappears. And then B, <laughs> it's just more fun to be able to speak in your phone and say something quick instead of like wasting your time getting carpal tunnel having to text something. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Um, yeah, so you're, it, it actually, that's really weird. You're my, my little, bro, my younger brother's age. I only have one brother, but you're the same age as he is. Okay. I, would, I wouldn't think of you as Charlie's age, which is, I think that's what happens with professional athletes. Though. You know what I mean? Like, 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 I, like, like you've been, like, we haven't been friends for that long, but like, you, you know, you were like in the NFL when I, you know what I'm saying? Like just the yeah. timing of it is, yeah. is different than yeah. like, I don't think of LeBron James is like younger than me. Yeah. That's, that's hard to kind of wrap my head around. It's interesting watching uh, LeBron James age. Cause uh, I was talking earlier today, which like we were talking with Carlton Davis, um, the quarterback from the Bucks on a radio show. He was talking about the you know, comparing Tom to like LeBron or Jordan. And then that kind of segued into this whole discussion of like, Oh, wait a second. Like you said to LeBron and Jordan, you didn't say like, which one, you know, which one in that debate. Uh, but I was thinking about it. Cause we've got, then we got under like some random tangent of like for 43, Tom Brady looks like he's like 33 right now in Tampa, like win or lose. I would say there's like a good chance he comes back next year. You know, either way, like he just tries to get eight or, you know, he's like, ah, we lost. I'm going to go back and get that, get that, get another Super Bowl. Um, but he looks incredible for his age, man. Like, I, I don't know what, maybe it's the TB12 method, but in comparison to like LeBron, who's not as old and hasn't played as long, but like kind of a difference. Like when you look at little LeBron, when he came in the league at a high school, I mean, granted, you're going to mature and grow a lot more, but still like drastic difference between the way the two look. Yeah. I mean, I think, no, look, like little LeBron coming in. I mean, all these guys who are now 
entering the NFL, it's kind of depressing because it's like, it's like freaking like Antoine Winfield Jr. is in the NFL. And, um, you know, here comes, uh, uh, I mean, to, to all the young guys. I don't know. I, mean, yeah. I, I, I play, I was in Seattle with his dad. Uh, me and a couple of like older veterans at the time, which he was way older than I was, but I remember like being there in 2013 and, and, you know, they had paid him a, a substantial signing bonus, you know, just, just to basically come out and help their, their nickelbacks prepare. Cause we both got, you know, released in those final cuts. And, uh, it was interesting just to kind of talk to him though. That guy had a wealth of knowledge. He, he really was a special player. Even, even at that age, like he still, I think he might have went on and played that year. I'm not sure, but he, he still could play at a high level then. Um, yeah. And, uh, these guys just play until they're older now, including Aaron Rodgers, who is certainly in the news today. We'll talk about him. We will talk about Super Bowl talk, uh, coming up in the week. Of course, we'll talk with Brady next week. You'll be in Tampa, right? I will. Yeah. Star CBS Sports HQ. Are, are you, you're going to have to basically spend the week with Prisco, which sounds incredible. Um, thank God we have to quarantine from one another. So yeah, exactly. Uh, I hate to imagine what his hotel room will look like when he's locked up in there after a week. Oh, think about it's gonna smell. Oh, like, all the acidic food he eats. Oh, like oh, it'll smell like like it'll smell like crusty Red Bull and like oh, uh, and like a litter box of like oh, he might bring his cats too. Oh, litter oh box. gosh, there'll be like a litter box. There'll be Red Bull, empty cans of Red Bull everywhere. Oldie there'll probably be like a, a smelling of meatballs, like old Italian food that <laughs> like you know that the, the the, the hotels don't have their cleaners come through. So there's just like piles of like pizza and all Italian food sitting oh. around everywhere. Uh, over under on number of times Prisco says from Saturday to Sunday, I'm going to get out there and get on that Tampa track. I'm going to go exercise tomorrow and then doesn't actually do it. Uh, we'll set it for five and a half. Um, so says it and doesn't do it. I would take the over. I, I think. He will get in. He'll say he gets in more days than he actually does. And he'll probably like do some old man thing or like walk or something, but that'll be the extent. I don't think he'll actually exercise at all. I think no, that's, that's I'm with you, but he'll say he did or he's saying that's, he's looking. That's what I'm saying. That's the, that's like the entirety of it. He'll be like, Oh, I'm going to get on that track tomorrow and really get out there and get some exercise and I got to do it. And then like by Friday, I'll be like, just stop saying it. You're not doing it. No. Um, we will have a coaching winners and losers cycle or coaching cycle winners and losers coming up. Uh, you can check the feed for the Kenny White super early Super Bowl betting preview. And, uh, let's dive in Aaron Rodgers. So I think we're recording this at around three o'clock, three 30 on Tuesday. Uh, Aaron Rodgers probably cleared up a lot of the chatter by appearing on the Pat McAfee show with who very entertaining, uh, Episode with, oh, with, uh, AJ Hawk. I think you know him, right? Yeah. I think that's probably the reason why he does the weekly with, uh, with Pat because not Pat, but because of AJ. But yeah, sure. Right, 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 right. AJ Hawk is the reason Aaron does it. Right. Yeah. But you are obviously close. Well, maybe not obviously. We've talked about this. You're close with AJ Hawk. At any rate, um, Aaron Rodgers got on there. It did seem like maybe what was kind of should have been obvious is that 48 hours removed from losing the conference championship game, from making the comments that he did, that he'd had time to sort of decompress and that he was said the obvious thing, which is like, Hey, maybe this got blown out of proportion. I was just trying to keep it real. This is how I feel. There is no certainty, no assurances in this business. No, he does expect to be back in green Bay next year. Did, did that do enough to quell this whole 48 hour storm of Aaron Rodgers for you? Yeah. I mean, I think we knew whenever this season was going to come to an end for Green Bay, 
and we talked about this last week in the pod, there would be that lingering question of, all right, what happens now with Rodgers and the Packers and everything else? And a couple of things became apparent, apparent after the game. Clearly, he was, as he said, gutted. He was distraught. He was drained. And we, we tend to forget, like, this season's been more draining than maybe any ever before because of the COVID protocols and the amount of stress that people face, not only just trying to go to the facility and play and the way your schedule has to be adjusted sometimes due to COVID, but also just in your personal life. You know, for him, he's, he's not married, but, like, still he's impacted by that to a degree, and other players, and you know, their families are. So I just think when this season has ended for many players, there's all this just big sigh of, oh, like – the Senior Bowl is going on right now. They had a hard time finding staffs, right, to, to want to do the Senior Bowl, in part because of the sacrifice that they made and have to make it again. Uh, it, it's just difficult to talk guys into this year. So I, I think all that was weighing on him. You know, the decision by LaFleur, which he's trusted him since he got there. And and you, you've seen now back-to-back years of one of the NFC Championship games. It's kind of worked to a degree, but, like, this time it just didn't work out. And, and, and you can make the case that, if they don't call the pass interference call, they get the ball back. They have a minute 40 left. That plan works out. Uh, I would still argue it wasn't the right call, but, but again, history is history in this regard. I, I think he, he realized that it created more of a stir than he probably wanted it to. And especially because he wants a new contract. You know, that's the reality of it is when you look at the contract situation going into the offseason, he's being compensated equivalent to Jared Goff. He obviously is the MVP this year. He's played better than Goff. He's played better than everyone else, you know, who's in that conversation. And I don't know that he's going to get 45 million per year, which I think is the new money average for Mahomes. But I do think he's going to get some substantial number for at least the next couple of years or a few years. And I think you've got to be, you, you've got to play kind of the, the, the good soldier if you want to go into this, you know, these conversations with Brian Gutenkunst and Matt LaFleur in the organization and try to work out that deal that compensates you the way you think you should be and after this year you know probably deserve to be but also gives you a little bit better of a situation where if next year ends up being the last year he's in green bay because at some point they got to move on right unless they just want to trade jordan love but whatever the case may be you want to do a deal with people that you have the most equity built with now and so when you do get traded you're not like worrying about having to negotiate with a group where you're older, you don't know them as well, you haven't won them a Super Bowl, you haven't done as much for that group, they're probably not going to look at you quite the same. So get the deal done that you want playing for the Packers and that future team done now, uh, and, and then that way you know, I think it works out better for them in the future. Uh, and obviously he wants to get a little bit more money too while he's at it. So when you say, and I, I think I think you may have hit on the crux of this, and it's possible. I also think that what happened was – Aaron Rodgers in the heat of the moment after the game. I mean, look, the reality of that game is that Aaron Rodgers played awesome and he was let down by his coaching staff to a degree, his wide receivers to a degree, his offensive line to a degree, and his defense. Really, everybody around Aaron Rodgers is part of the Packers organization and the infrastructure. And I'm not saying that they all completely crapped the bed, just that like Aaron Rodgers – there's only been two times ever, I believe, where a quarterback has thrown for 300 yards and three touchdowns in a uh, in a championship game, or at least in the last 20 years, and that team has lost. And both times it was the Packers, and it was Aaron right. Rodgers. That's right. tough. And I think that he probably felt let let down. You know, like that's why he and Matt Lafleur didn't have the same. They weren't on the same page when they were 
with their, like, Matt LaFleur's like, hell yeah, I want him back. And Rogers like, well, I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't think he felt betrayed by LaFleur. I just think he felt let down. I, I told you what I would have done in that scenario. I don't know if we've talked about this, but. Oh, we didn't. I, I would have forced LaFleur's hand and called a timeout. Oh, I like and, that. And, and then I think you walk over and you say like, what's the thought here? Because I, I, the way I was looking at it. Call the timeout. You got to go. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly right. Like you were saying like, yeah, you, you were trying to save all those, those stop, you know, stop clocks, but now you can't. So I would have looked at it from this perspective. I, I would have been saying to myself, you know, Matt, hey, let's talk about this because here, here's my thought. Regardless of what decision they made on that fourth and goal from the eight play, whether they decided to go for it and scored a touchdown and two-point conversion or kicked the field goal. So let's say the 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 reward on, on, on both sides in that decision. You're still going to have to score again to win the game, okay? But let's look at the downside risk. So let's say that you kick the field goal like they did and then you don't get the football back, or even if you do, you still need to score again in order to you know to win the game, but there's a chance you don't get it back and you lose. That's the downside risk. Well, in the downside risk of the touchdown two-point conversion, you know, let's say you do get the football back, you don't score, you're going to overtime, right? Or if you stop them, they run the clock out, you're going into overtime, you're prolonging your chance to win. That would have been my 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 thing to to Matt is saying, look, regardless, we have to score to win in either scenario, but this scenario gives us a better chance of at least prolonging the game into overtime where we have a shot of winning. So I would have taken a timeout to talk it out over with him. And then at that point, you've kind of already forced his hand anyway. And whether he agrees or not, his hand, your hand's kind of dealt. And by the way, you still have two timeouts and, and a two-minute warning um, because that play is going to be relatively quick as it is. Well, the two-minute warning play, if you if you go for it, the, the two-minute warning play. Hear me out. Hear me out. You're at the you're fourth and goal from the eight. That play is going to be relatively quick. Similar I'm, to the, I'm saying to that if you don't get the touchdown, the Bucks are going to – it's, it's not going to be the two-minute warning. Like, it's just, like, it's not going to be. Like, like I was saying, like, the Bucks will get the ball with more than two minutes left, so you'll have right. two minutes and a timeout, absolutely, without question. Two timeouts, but yeah. Two timeouts, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so three, three stop clocks. Yep. You know, cause, cause like we kind of forget like the whole Mickens return where, where he, where he slid. It was like, dude, you can you still gave them a chance for you've got a stop clock. Job, and that's to get like five seconds off the clock. That's just like, like, you can return the ball and just look at the clock, run straight or run around in a circle. Run, run on the 10 yard line, run like, run like, like a video game. Just go back and forth. Just like go back longer, and forth. Like, just keep wasting time so the two minute warning hits. Whatever it was you do, don't slide with two or four left. Yeah, just, just don't, don't give yourself up before the two minute warning. Just don't do that. Oh, you did it. Oh, okay. Like perfect. It was crazy. It's like, all right. Um, and so, but yeah, I think that was, I, th- I think he just felt sort of let down by all that. And by the way, the, the other thing that's kind of baffling about it is if you're not, it felt like LaFour didn't know whether he wanted to kick or not. And it was de- going to depend on down a distance. And if that's the case, call a play that is going to get you, like, call, you know, tell Rogers, okay, look, if you have the throw, take it. If not, pick up five yards running. You know what I'm saying? And worst case, it's down. So, so, so a couple of things. I, I don't know that, you know, I think Aaron Rodgers thought they were going to go for it regardless in that spot. And the reason why I say that is this, you know, your, your fourth and goal from really the four and back. Probably to about the 10. It's about the same. It's about the same. And, and you honestly would rather, I'd rather be fourth to go from the eight than fourth to go from the four or five because okay. we're, throw, we're throwing either way and you have more space. 
You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. um, and plus you got to think about like the break points and everything else and the timing of, of the rhythm, the drop and all that. I would sort of think about the touchdown to Zach Ertz in the Eagles Pats Super Bowl. You know, where like they were like, you know, it's almost you, having that cushion allows your receipt, like you can run some motion and get some guy, get a guy isolated and then you can give him room to work and he can actually get open and you can have a look at the inside. I don't even know if that was fourth down. That just sort of that play. You know, there's just more room to operate. Right. And th- and that's the thing is there's more room to operate. There's a little more spacing. You can kind of stress defenders more depending on the type of coverage they want to play. You know, if you're, if you're from the eight as opposed to the five or four, whatever the case may be, because in that instance, like you're not going to risk running the football and not getting and you look like an idiot. So you know, you're going to throw the football. Even on the three, you're probably still thinking I'm throwing the football unless it's on the two or one. That's the only place where you'd say, I still probably have my entire playbook in even though it's risky to run the football and get stopped there still uh, really from the, you know, four, three back, you'd rather have more space to throw. So I, I kind of look at it and just say, think to myself, like regardless of what they want to say, they're in a good position to do it. But again, that, that's kind of hindsight. We, we've got 48 hours after the fact, he's kind of made this, uh, this declaration that he wants to be there and he expects to be there. And so it's kind of crafty on his part because now it puts the onus on the Packers. Like, all right, like, what do you do? Are you going to give him the contract that he wants and then pay him more and compensate him the way he should be, especially once he's, like, holding that MVP trophy and waving that? Or are you going to go through this next season where he's going to have, you know, really no guarantees after this year, a very economical deal for any team that would trade for him, but any team that trades for him has to be cognizant of the fact that they're going to have to, you know, put into bonuses or guarantees to make it satisfy him or make him happy. He's not going to be happy with that deal moving forward. And, and that might be one of the tougher things too, to get a trade done if that's the case. So if you're the Packers, it might stink, but at least I'm going to have him for one more year, pay the man, extend them. And then it makes it a little bit easier conversation. I think down the road and trying to trade him. Uh, if you do indeed decide you're going to move on and you're going to go with Jordan love. I, I like that idea. You figure out a way to maneuver his contract that brings him back in 2021, coming off an MVP season where Rodgers looked comfortable in a new system, played really well. This is his best chance to win. I think he would shred in, in San Francisco, probably Los Angeles. Oh, LA, San yeah. Francisco. I mean, both, both California teams, you'd assume you want to go back there. Right. But I mean, like, it's kind of crazy to move cities at that point, at this point, when you're comfortable, you're finally getting comfortable with the system. You have Devontae Adams, you have a good offensive line, et cetera, et cetera. But you, but to your point, you know, renegotiate the contract. Move the numbers so that way he is – you take a huge cap hit next year or whatever it is, and then you make him tradable in the years after that while getting him some extra money. That makes a lot of sense. Let's take a break, and when we come back, well, another NFC North quarterback could be on the move. Where could he land? The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. 
At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Matthew Stafford and the Lions are uh, – there's always always a new kind of breakup in the NFL, Brady. Whether it's mutually parting – is this what they're doing? They're mutually parting – Yeah, so the word I got was uh, Matt had talked to the organization after the season, and he made his declaration known. So even when they went through the head coaching search uh, and general manager search, they, they were aware that mm. it was pretty, basically for sure that Matt wanted to move on. And so, you know, they didn't want to announce it until some things were in place. But this had nothing to do with the hiring of Dan Campbell. It's just, I, I think both parties came to an agreement. They said, hey, look, it's time. We've bo- I've been here for a long time. I've, I've done the best I can to fight through all this. Uh, but why don't you guys start fresh, see what you can get from me. And then, you know, why don't we try to maybe work together to make this thing happen? Well, and I think Matthew, Matthew Stafford is one of the good dudes in the NFL. Great dude. Awesome guy. Um, he... People don't give him enough credit for how he puts it on the line every week, like how he battles through injuries. And he's, you know, he was labeled injury prone earlier in his career. I mean, I think that playing in Detroit as a number one overall pick, I mean, you, you played in Cleveland as a first round pick. Like some, it's, I mean, some spots are just, it's not <laughs> fair to the player and you're just not going to be able to go in there and turn everything around. And for Stafford, I think that was a, a reality. And to- well, don't ask Pete Prisco that because he, He'll always say that Carson Wentz or whoever else goes into Cleveland, they'll be, I'm like, Pete, you don't get it. Yeah, you don't. Like, he's like, you, like Pete's covered this league a long time. He knows a lot of people in the league, but until you're like in the lot, until you're in the building, you can't definitely say what a place is like. And yeah, but and you don't know the levels of dysfunction. You don't, you don't have a feeling for, for things when you're there. And it's, it becomes a lot more apparent as a player. And it became a lot more apparent to me. Like I remember going to Jets my sixth year in the league. And immediately feeling the disconnect between John Isaac and Rex Ryan and like the tension and just how awkward it was and just the lack of culture and just where that team was at. And you're like, Oh, th- this isn't going to last. Like you, you can feel it walking into the door and being there for a week. And you said too, like when you went to Seattle, you're like, Oh man, like yeah. why didn't I land? Like, man, I, you know, like, I mean, and there's nothing you could be like, why didn't I get drafted by Pete Carroll and, and John, you know, John Snyder. But um to that point, I think, one of the things that Stafford did here in, in the way that you phrased it is really interesting because Dan Quinn, I mean, yeah, excuse me. Um, Campbell. Bob Quinn oh, right. and Matt Patricia were fired in the middle of the season. Right. But Matthew Stafford, who missed some time as well with an injury, had time to sort of plan out how he wanted to handle this. And he didn't do it in a bratty diva fashion. He could have made a stink about it and had his agent, you know, leak stuff to the press. Instead, he went to the team and he said, you know, he said, Hey, look, I want to, I want to get out of here. Right. And, but he let them go through the process of hiring, knowing that was on the plate. And then they announced it mutually on a Saturday night that yeah. you know, that was the plan. I, yeah. I mean, and, and here's why it's smart because let's look for, let's look at Deshaun Watson. All right. For example, how are you doing yourself any service getting where you want to go? They're not going to release you, Deshaun. Right. So it's going to be out to come via a trade. And you're only driving down the value or the ability for Houston to accept any offer because of that. So, you know, again, and I don't think it's necessarily all Deshaun. I think it's probably his agent or the people who are just absolutely fumbling this whole scenario. Um, and so you look at Matt Stafford and how he's worked it out. Like he's going to find himself in LA, in Indy, maybe in San Francisco. Like all three, if you're asking me, like those, those would be my top choices I'd be looking at, uh, as a quarterback if I'm in his shoes. And they're going to get back fair compensation for him. And and I think the biggest question is we're not going to know until a deal happens. Like, is Detroit going to do him a favor if 
They've got two offers and one's just a little bit better than the other, but they're like, Hey, this is where Matt wants to go. So we're doing it for him. Or are they just going to take the best offer regardless of who it comes from and where it's at? Right. Yeah. That, that, that's the biggest, that's the biggest question of how they're going to handle this moving forward. I think because he's been a good soldier and because of how he's handled things there, I, I do think they'll do this right for him. Uh, I could be wrong, right? You kind of got different ownership. I know Chris Spielman's been a, been a big, um, has had a big impact in that process. He completely gets it. Uh, so I, I, I think they're going to do the right thing in that. Well, and I think it's interesting too, because you would typically say that Deshaun Watson, because he's the more valued player, given he's 12 years younger than Stafford, would be the, the first domino to fall here. Um, or maybe he's 12 years younger than Aaron Rodgers, whatever, whatever the case may be. Anyway, much younger, much more attractive, you know, piece of the pie. But I think that Stafford might, I think that Stafford might operate independently, almost like Philip Rivers did last year with yeah. Tom Brady, where there's going to be a couple of teams. I think you nailed them. Um, Indy. I don't know if LA counts because the dead cat money for Jared Goff, but maybe. I think Indians. Or it'd be, it'd be in a trade scenario, right? Or, you know, maybe there's a third team involved. I mean, the, here's the, here's the one thing we know. There's, there's two things that I think has happened the past few years. One, you know, evidence of like how much difference the, a quarterback can make to help improve your team's ability to get a Super Bowl or win a Super Bowl. I mean, case in point, Tom Brady, Tampa Bay Bucks. And in case in point, Cam Newton to the New England Patriots and how different that looks. Cause, New England with Brady this year, regardless of how it looked two years ago, they're still a playoff team. You know, that was not the case this year. And and so we know how important that position is now to any team's success, but highlighted probably more so now than ever. And and even though that came via free agency, I do think teams are going to be more aggressive moving forward, and they're going to be more creative moving forward. That That's something we're starting to see more and more too. So I wouldn't be shocked if you didn't get like a three-team trade scenario involved to be able to move around all those pieces. That would be spicy. So I think – San Francisco makes all the sense in the world. They have a good offensive line. They have a really creative play caller, Kyle Shanahan. Stafford on the off play action in his offense would be absolutely lethal. Right. And I would probably pick them as my Super Bowl team if they, if they acquired Matthew Stafford. I felt like he could get in there, learn the offense quickly and, and be healthy. And I, I can't imagine he wouldn't be able to. They, you know, they don't have a Kenny Galladay type, but they've got enough guys who can get vertical and a good run game and the defense. Right. Shouldn't fall off the cliff. So I think that's a, I think that's a perfect spot. Indy would be awesome too. I mean, you know, I, I don't think he has a whole lot of experience in a Frank Wright system, but yeah, no. I mean, he's been in enough where I'm sure there's some familiarity. I mean, how many different OCs has he played for? Five, six, 15, mm-hmm. yeah, probably five or six feels short, but yeah, I mean, there's got to be somebody he's played with a similar. Also, Frank Reich is going to make it simple for him and you know, he's not going to overly complicate it. They do a ton of that, you know, deep, like when you get a running game and defense too. Somebody's never had there. Right. And like, I mean, you think about how Phillip Rivers played in that offense. He's going to get a ton of play action looks off. Of- I mean, he'll, he'll be even better. He'll be even better than your boy Phillip Rivers. Oh, yeah. Oh, without question. No, I mean, he'd be throwing bombs all over the place. They got Michael Pittman, who's a good player. I mean, I you heard know, you told him that, did it? Just a little bit. Just a little bit hurts yeah. you. No, I lo- I'm a huge Matthew Stafford fan. So I'm, 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 I'm going to root for whoever Matthew Stafford plays for next year. That's okay. what I've decided. That's right. my new team. And mm-hmm. which, you know, really bring it all home. A sleeper for Matthew Stafford. And I don't think, I don't you think, think Chicago. Oh, uh, no. Panthers. You think Panthers? A sleeper for, for Stafford, the Panthers. Yeah. I would think draft with their position where they're at. You know, you just went the veteran route with Bridgewater. You know, granted, he's a better talent than, than Teddy, but. I would think draft where they said a number top seven, ten for sure. Seven. Seven? Or no, eight, yeah, seven, I think. But, so I mean, the, still. Well, 
Like, and that's the problem. Like, could the Panthers be a Deshaun landing spot where they give up their first and second picks and a Brian Burns possibly? I think if you're Carolina, the only way you're trading for Stafford would be if you give up your second round pick. Like, I oh, wouldn't give up. By the way, one of the reasons why, I mean, he's going to go for a first and something else. You think so? Oh, yeah. Okay. And, and in part because of his contract. He only has two years left, right? But it's really economical yes. in comparison to everything else. So I think that's the other thing. In, in a year where you're looking at a cap that we're not sure what it's going to be, but it's going to be at best plateaued. It'll be about the same. Or it could be at what, 180, 185 million. So that fits much more comfortably over the next season and the following season. Uh, and so you get two years to see, you know, what he's capable of doing with them, uh, before you want to extend them, which is attractive. So I think that's going to be out there for him too. Yeah. And, and he, and the, the thing that's been floated through the media is that he wants to play for a winner, which, you know, that's, he's like, I don't think he cares about money and I don't, don't see why he would. He was on the old CBA. Oh, you know, I mean, like money is not a huge, probably not a huge problem for him right now. You know, everyone says that, and then you then you watch some of these other guys who don't play as well as you get compensated more, and they're like, "All right." I mean, for example, Aaron Rodgers, like I, I, his number is thirty three and a half million, and you might be saying, "Well, why does he want to be paid more?" Well, because the new money average for Mahomes is forty five, and he's the MVP this year, and it's like anyone who has money will tell you they want more of it, and anyone who doesn't have money wants money. So I, I always hate that argument or discussion. I just I, I, well, he doesn't, he doesn't care. Yeah, he does. Like everyone does. You know, that's why you're willing to pay an agent, you know, a percentage of your contract and negotiate on your behalf. Otherwise, if you didn't care about it, you just do the deal yourself because then you're not worried about whether there are other incentives or guarantees or anything else that's in it because you're not worried about money. So who cares if you get injured and you don't get that money or who cares if you don't earn that incentive or whatever the case may be? Yeah. Uh, so I, I guess I just mean that like Stafford would prefer to go. To the 49ers on his current contract, then like go to the Jaguars on a Patrick Mahomes contract would be my guess. All right. You know, right. I mean, like, I think that money is not like when he's ranking, he wants to win some football games for the first time in his career over like a two year span. Then he'll worry about the, the cash because it'll come if he's winning football games. He's, playing he's young too. Was he 33? Yeah. I mean, it's like, let's be honest. Like, I know he's been beat up a bunch, but you go to one of those good situations. He's got to get another good four, four or five years in him, maybe. I don't see him drastically deteriorating as much as others unless he, you know, I mean, obviously he's got ridiculous arm talents. So that's part of the reason why I say that is unless he had like an injury to his arm, his elbow, shoulder, something like that, where you're going, uh, I don't know if he's coming back from that. I mean, the back issues obviously are worrisome, but yeah. And I actually think that if he goes somewhere like San Francisco or LA, you know, or, or even Indy that he's going to, he's going to be healthier for longer because he's not being forced to put it all on his back and take these huge shots that he was taking with, with uh, Detroit. Literally um, and figuratively. Yeah. Put it on his back. Put it on his back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like taking, is he out there like ripping shots? Well, no, uh, he's had like two years in a row doing back injuries. But yeah. We sort of touched on Deshaun Watson, but very quickly, do you, in, um, I mean, wh- where do you think this is headed? Cause it, now the latest is that he, it's the owner, which, you signed a contract. Like, it's not like the owner's new, man. I mean, you, you know, I don't know. Look, I'll, I'll just put it this way. Uh, Cal McNair, again, we've talked about this, but he started this, this whole problem, this whole issue. Had he never extended to Deshaun, uh, whether he's on vacation or not, however the scenario, has he, had he never extended that, the, hey, I'll, you could be on the general manager, head coaching hire. This isn't a problem. That was the first issue. The second issue then became though, how Deshaun Watson responded to it. Like, now I'm going to throw a hissy fit over the fact that you guys hired Nick Casario. 
Like I wouldn't be looking at that and being upset about it just because I wasn't a part of it. I'd be looking at that and saying, Oh, you mean the guy who's helped Bill Belichick, New England Patriots win a bunch of games and Super Bowls? Huh. Yeah. I want that guy too. So uh, his reaction to it or the people around him or his agent, whoever's managing that has done an awful job and they're not seeing the bigger picture. And I feel like they're, they're really misplaying their hand. Now, ultimately, you know, do you want him to be involved in the head coaching hire? Yeah, you might want him to have some input. I, I don't know that I'm just letting him decide on, on all of it. I mean, let, let's say they hire Eric Bieniemy, which is supposedly the hire that he wanted all along. Is that going to solve the issue? Like, is that going to really like calm everything down? I mean, you did just come off a career year. Like, do you really want to try to go to a team like the New York Jets, who I would say walking in the door or lo- and looking at them on paper right now is the worst roster? And then you put on top of that, if you're, are you going to hamstring them and say, yeah, I, I need, you know, two first round picks or three first round picks, you know, in that trade. Okay. Sounds cool. Now you're in New York, but you just lost the next three first round picks. Like how's that helping you? Equivalent of Houston draft selections, right? Like that's, how how did that help you out? And, and and that's only going to help out Houston because you're going to be a bad football team for a while. Miami's a good football team, young. Buffalo's a good football team and New England's New England. They're going to be more competitive than you are. So you literally just left the division that in the past decade, let's see, they've, they've won what, 60% of their games? Is that fair to say? They've won the division four of the last six years. They've won the division with Brian Hoyer and Brock Osweiler. They've been in the playoffs six times. Like, have the Jets done that of late? Have I missed something? Like, have have the Jets won any playoff games? So he's literally going to leave a scenario off his career year so far, a team that he's won the division with, got to the playoffs with, to go to a team that's going to be the, the bottom of that division, walking in the door, and he's going to handicap them with them trading away at least two, maybe three first-round picks. That doesn't sound like a plan for success. That sounds like you just want marketing money. Cool. But that's not going to help you if your career doesn't pan out or if you're going to be getting hurt all the time. So I, I hate the strategy. I hate how they've handled all this. Um, You know, I, the grass isn't always green. I'll just kind of leave it at that. The other thing, too, is like if you have any reservations about the possibility of finding yourself in this position, and I get that everything changed for him and Bill O'Brien was fired in the middle of the season, but don't sign the contract because you can play, you can play on the franchise. You can play out your, your first round rookie deal. You can play on the franchise tag. You can make a lot of money while leaving your options for leaving open. And that's a pretty different situation than what he's faced with right now. So, uh, yeah. but do you think, do you think right now he gets traded? Um, no, because they don't even have a head coach yet. I mean, what, what, it's like, why were you, why were we making decisions on your, your roster and what's going to happen? I mean, I, I think cooler heads prevail. I think they get through this. And, and if it is Vietnamese or Leslie Frazier or, um, I, I think I saw what the assistant head coach had for the LA Rams, who was interviewing as well. I mean, not Brian Dable. Is that what you mean? No, I mean, they, you know, it doesn't sound like he's a part of that conversation, but, uh, the reality is, they need to wait. He needs to wait and see who they hire and then revisit the conversation, see what the vision is. Look, if it ends up being Eric Bieniemy, it'd be a huge mistake on Deshaun Watson's part. If he's not going to go talk to Eric and say, what's your plan for me? What do you want to do? I, you know, I'm really frustrated with the ownership here. I've been handled things, but then Eric can just say to him, look, man, like I came here in part because of you. If you, so, if you pound the table for Eric Bieniemy and demand that they interview Eric Bieniemy and then they hire Eric Bieniemy and you demand a trade, you've really screwed Eric Bieniemy. Well, yeah, I mean, cause he's probably potentially taking that job, you know, thinking that you're going to be a part of it, but that may also be a reason why some people don't want this job. If you don't have the franchise quarterback, you don't have Watson. 
you might be saying to yourself, like, how attractive is this job? Not, not as much as it would have been if he was there. So they're not going to make any decision anytime soon. They don't have to. They need to worry about hiring their head coach and then let that head coach talk to Deshaun, uh, provide a vision for him moving forward. And then you revisit the conversation. And, you know, if you're Cal McNair, you just, look, stop talking to the guy. You're already paying him millions of dollars. It's like you don't need to be best friends with the guy who's on their team just because he's a superstar. You know, just pay the guy what he deserves and then stay out of it and, and allow the people you hire to do their job of hiring the best possible people to allow your team and having success, getting the playoffs, trying to win a Super Bowl. All right, so you're telling me Cal McNair doesn't know how to coach or build a – I'm being, I'm being sarcastic. Like, I agree. Let football people do football things. Do football. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like any other corporation. A lot of – especially when you see, like, corporations or businesses where, like, it's inherited to, like, the sun or something else. It's like, how many of them actually know and have been at the ground level of that organization, like, build it up like the father, like the mother did, like whoever started the company did? Like, and when it goes through generations – you know, a lot of times, you know, people are inherited into already high level positions. They have no idea what it takes. And, and so, you know, for Cal McNair, you know, he might fall into that category, but like, unless he has some sort of background in history, coaching or building, you know, a, a football franchise and organization, which I don't know that he has, I, I would say leave it to the people that you hire. And that way it makes it a little easier too to fire them when they are fully <laughs> responsible instead of you playing, playing a hand in all of this, when they're looking at you being like, you're pointing the finger at me. What about you? What about when you told our quarterback? What about you said to this guy? That's a good point. Uh, all right. That's the Brady Quinn football show. Make sure to check out the feed. We'll have tons of great stuff uh, coming up this week as we prepare for the Super Bowl. And uh, I will talk to you Tampa, Brady. I know. I know. Sunny Tampa. It'll be fun. All right, man. When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen.